Well, this morning we're going to hear two readings. Uh, the first is from the Gospel of Luke as we continue in the narrative lectionary. Uh, last week we heard the story of Jesus' inaugural sermon in his hometown of Nazareth, where he went to the synagogue and picked up the words of Isaiah and basically said that he was here to bring good news to the poor, to release the captives, to bring sight to the blind, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In other words, to work for God's justice and peace in the world. Well, he basically got ran out of Nazareth, and so he began to move to other towns in the Galilee region and to preach and heal and teach. And one of the cities that he goes to uh, is Capernaum, where he goes to uh, the house of a man named Simon, who we're going to hear more about today. And there he heals uh, Simon's mother-in-law from a fever and then stays the night and heals many more people in that town. And what's clear is that Jesus's ministry is growing. Uh, the crowds are coming to see healing from him, to uh, hear his teaching. And so in the story that we're going to hear this morning, uh, we're going to hear how the crowds are just pressing up against him and Jesus realizes he's going to need to recruit some helpers in this ministry. And so we're going to hear uh, the call of the first disciples, uh, starting with Simon the fisherman, and how Jesus basically calls Simon to repurpose his gifts, uh, to work for God's justice and peace. Uh, the second reading we're going to hear is a contemporary reading from the poet, and I would say prophet, Amanda Gorman. Amanda is the 22-year-old uh, prophet and poet who uh, spoke this week at the inauguration for President Biden, reading her poem, uh, The Hill We Climb. And uh, we're going to hear just the beginning excerpt of that poem um, as both uh, listening for how we might be called to work for uh, justice and peace in our world today and also as a wonderful example of someone using their gifts in that larger work for justice and peace. So let us listen for the word of God. One day, Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. Great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. He said to Simon, Now go out where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they too were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. 
When day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast. We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. And the norms and notions of what just is isn't always just is. And yet, the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken, but simply unfinished. We, the successors of a country and a time where a skinny black girl descended from slaves and raised by a single mother can dream of becoming president only to find herself reciting for one. And yes, we are far from polished, far from pristine, but that doesn't mean we are striving to form a union that is perfect. We are striving to forge our union with purpose, to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. Please join me in a spirit of prayer. Oh, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, as I watched the presidential inauguration this week, I was so taken with the presence and the poise and the poetry of Amanda Gorman and her ability at 22 years old to stand up and hold the attention of the nation and of the world, uh, calling us to the work of justice and peace. It was a powerful poem, and if you've not yet had a chance to hear the whole thing or uh, read, the whole transcript, I would encourage you to do so because she weaves uh, both naming where we've been in the past, where we are in the present, with the hope and the call uh, to work together for a better future. And so many of the themes that she brought up in her poem are themes that we heard in uh, Biden's inauguration address, and they're actually themes that are very present uh, in Jesus and his teaching and in what we've heard so far in the Gospel of Luke. Amanda Gorman in her poem talked about our country as uh, not being broken, but being unfinished. And then she called forth this vision of what we are working for. She says, uh, we are striving to forge our union with purpose to compose a country committed to all cultures, colors, characters, and conditions of man. And so, she says, we lift our gazes not to what stands between us, but what stands before us. And what I heard in there was a call to uh, a vision of inclusion and justice and peace and working for the common good, which is really echoes of what we have heard so far 
in our scripture. It's what Jesus was talking about last week in his sermon, that he was here to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives in the year of the Lord's favor. It's what we heard uh, the week prior to that in John and his gospel of repentance as we talked about the need to be aligned with the kingdom of God and how God works in the world. And it's what we heard even before that in the story of Mary's Magnificat, which talked about the rich being brought down and the lowly lifted up. That the Jesus coming among us is a Jesus working for the realm of God. And so in our story this morning, we can see that this realm is starting to take shape as Jesus has been out preaching and teaching and healing and ministry, and the crowds are coming. And it's starting to be overwhelming. This undertaking that Jesus has done is, is, uh, is, bigger, is bigger than uh, he can do all by himself. And so what he begins to do is enlist the help of others. And it starts on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. When he comes down and the crowds are pressing in, and so he looks for a way to reach out to the people around him, and he sees a boat. And so he goes and he climbs in the boat. Now it's the boat that belongs to Simon, who Jesus has already met because he's healed his mother-in-law. And so he calls to Simon and says, come and row me out a little bit so I can teach. Now Simon has already had a long night at sea. He's already uh, been working hard at cleaning his nets. But he goes ahead and gets in the boat and rows Jesus out a little bit. And Jesus begins to teach. Luke doesn't record what he spoke to all those crowds, but one has to imagine that it continued his theme of bringing good news to the poor and hope uh, to the captives and, and calling people to work toward a future that was hopeful and good. And then as he finished his sermon, he didn't just talk about it, but then he demonstrated it. And he turned to Simon and he said, Row me out to the deep waters. Or rather, you go out to the deep waters. Drop your nets. And there you will catch the fish. And Simon is sitting there, and of course he's had this long night. Uh, he usually fished at night. That's when the fishing was good, and he had just cleaned his nets. And he had to be wondering, to some extent, what is this guy, this preacher to this carpenter even talking about what does he know about catching fish and yet whatever reservation was there Simon puts it aside and he rows out to that deep water and lets down his net and as we know he pulls in such a huge haul that the nets are starting to break he has to call in his friends who come and they fill their boats so they're almost sinking and yet Simon, instead of celebrating the catch and running quickly to the market to sell everything he has, instead it says he falls on his knees. And he basically says, leave me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Even in the midst of that jackpot of fish, what Simon is most amazed at is the power of Jesus and the holiness of Jesus and a sense in which he has just witnessed he is not even worthy to witness it. 
It reminds me of many other reluctant prophets that we have seen in Scripture. Some of them we've looked at already this year. We think of Moses, who was called at the burning bush to come and stand up to Pharaoh. And Moses said, but God, I can't do it. I, I have a stutter. Can you send someone else? And God says, no, I'm sending you. And Jeremiah, who was called and said, but I'm too young. Are you sure you want me? And God said, yes, I want you. And even Isaiah, whose story we heard uh, back in November, who went into the temple, saw the presence of God, heard God's call to be a prophet, and immediately Isaiah said, but whoa, I am a man of unclean lips. I can't possibly do this work. And so Simon fits in that long line of reluctant prophets and followers and says, but I'm a sinful man, I'm not worthy. And Jesus says, oh, Simon, do not be afraid. You've been a, a fisher of fish, but I am going to make you fish for people. I am going to repurpose your gifts. This fishing for people is such an interesting term. It's often been used to think about proselytizing or trying to bring people in. But the Greek there technically means catching people alive. And there's references to the, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Testament, to uh, the hooking of people as uh, a sign of judgment, as a sign of bringing down the wealthy, of speaking uh, truth to the powerful. And so there's a way in which this idea of fishing for people is about standing up to the power, about uh, bringing that good news to the poor, bringing full life bringing fully to life those who need it in the world. And so Jesus calls Peter essentially to take the gifts that he has and to use them in new ways, to use him in this mission to bring good news to the poor and sight to the blind and freedom to the oppressed. And Simon, Simon Peter, it says, he and his friends, they bring in their, their nets and their halls, and they leave them there. And they follow Jesus. They leave that bounty on the shore, and they go. And Jesus has demonstrated the very thing that he wanted from them, to bring people fully alive and bring them into this work of justice and peace. Well, as I think about this story for us, and I think about where we are as a nation and a world, there is so much work yet to do. There is so much work in the ways of justice and peace. And that God longs for us to have a part to play. Now, there is so much about that that is intimidating. In the midst of pandemic, in the midst of division, in the midst of all the issues that claim our attention in the world, whether that's racial justice or climate change or health care or uh, just the, the healing of relationships in our world. And I think often uh, we may feel like Simon or any of those other prophets where it feels like too much. We're already tired. We've already had a long day. We've already had a long year. And yet there is Jesus calling us to go into the deep waters, 
calling us to take the risk to use our gifts for justice and peace in our world. Now, I think Amanda Gorman is a great example of this. I don't know her faith background at all. I don't, I don't know uh, how that works for her. But what I do know is that she stepped into the moment to use the gifts that she has been given in the broader work for justice and peace. And as I was doing uh, research about her, trying to learn more about who, who she is, um, she's originally from Los Angeles, uh, the daughter of a single mother, a uh, mother who was a school teacher and who um, helped her understand lessons of justice early on. But what was even more interesting was learning that um, Amanda Gorman had a speech impediment, has a speech impediment, as, as uh, she had it as a child and she's been working on it so that she can't uh, pronounce her R's very well. The word poetry comes out as poetry. And so as she has grown in her love of words and her love of the spoken word, she has basically had to teach herself how to pronounce these words. And to imagine getting that call from the Biden administration, asking her to come and to speak in front of an audience of millions, of a global audience. I can imagine just some of that uh, fear and trepidation she might have felt. And yet, and I know in an interview that I read, she said she doesn't think of it as a disability, but as an opportunity to learn and to grow and to really focus on how she can speak up and speak out. That's do not be afraid. I will help you use your gifts in the work of justice and peace. All of us have gifts that can be used. All of us have gifts that can be repurposed. And it is, uh, it can be so daunting. I know for me, uh, one of the areas where I am continue to learn and grow um, is in learning how to use my voice in the public square, especially when it comes to uh, speaking out against racism and, and white supremacy, as I do my own internal work, as I figure out how to use the gifts that have been given to me as a, a speaker or in this pulpit or as a parent, how I can be an advocate. And often it feels uh, so hard. I don't know that I have the right words or enough training or um, I don't want to ruffle the waters and yet what I hear Jesus saying is that you have gifts and I need those gifts for the good of the world. For some, the, the challenges for us or the deep waters for us may be in um, relationships. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken in our lives, a place where we are divided from somebody else. And so the deep waters we are being called into is the waters of reconciliation and forgiveness. Maybe there are gifts that we have or ways that God is calling us uh, to reach out, to work for that reconciliation and that peace that we know we need. Perhaps for others of us, the journey is just in our own health or uh, caring for someone we love, that we, we think about bringing healing 
or God's presence. It might come even as a caregiver. I was uh, connecting with a friend this week, a good friend of mine from Minnesota, who years ago um, had her young daughter diagnosed with uh, juvenile diabetes. And I remember when it happened because I was so worried for the daughter, but also worried for my friend who all of a sudden was back, it felt like, to the newborn stage where she had to be up every night, several times in the night, checking the blood sugar for her daughter, making sure that her daughter was safe. It wasn't a calling that she necessarily would have wanted, but it was a calling that she leaned into as she learned how to care for her daughter, learned how to help her daughter um, regulate her own blood sugar over time. And now her daughter is in college and thriving well. My friend has become an advocate for other families where the children are facing diabetes. And it's a way that she's been able to use her gifts not only to help her daughter, but also to help others in the community. There can be abundance when we listen to God and we take that risk and we go into the deep waters and we put down our nets. And one of the beauties of the story is that God says God will be with us, that it's through God's power that we can do this, and that it's in the community, that Simon wasn't there alone. Simon was there with his friends who, when the hall came in, they were there to help him bring it in so that they didn't sink. And so as a church, as we remember this time that we are in, as we remember our individual calls and our communal calls, we remember that we do not do this work alone. That we support each other and hold each other as we discern and use our gifts working for God's justice and peace. So how is God calling you in this time? How does God long to use your gifts, repurpose your gifts for God's work of the kingdom? And on this day when we welcome new members into our community, how does God long to use all of our gifts together to be the church and live out our call as church in new ways to work for God's justice and peace. Amanda Gorman closed her poem this week with these words. She says, when day comes, we step out of the shade of flame and unafraid. The new dawn blooms as we free it. For there is always light, if we're only brave enough to see it. If we're only brave enough to be it. Friends, may we be brave, not only to see the light, but to be the light, to be the hands and the feet and the heart of God in the world as we seek to follow Christ wherever Christ leads. Amen.